Hey, welcome to my podcast, Late Night Talks with Yomar. I want to welcome you to my very first episode. Um, currently, it is 1.30 in the morning, so I think that the <laughs> that the title of my podcast is actually pretty fitting because it really is some late night talks with me. But nevertheless, I'm really excited to get the show on the road. Um, a lot of research went into the making of this episode, and I learned so much information and there was a lot of stuff that actually shocked me and that I, I started thinking to myself, how did I how did I not know this before? Because um, thousands of lives are affected by this and, and we don't even realize it. Um, so I, I want to get right into it. OK, so today's topic is actually about immigration. And it's a topic that actually hits close to home to me because we do live in an overwhelmingly um, immigrant community and most of my family, well, not most, all of my family uh, members are actually immigrants from, from Mexico. So it's something that did affect them at some point in their life and the situation has gotten even worse. So if it did affect them back then, I can't even imagine how it's affecting people right now. Uh, because there's so much misinformation about immigration, whether it be how to come in legally to the country, um, whether it be the broken immigration court system that we have, um, or, or whether it be why people are actually seeking asylum in our country. And it's not a question of legality, but rather morality, in my opinion. Um so first of all, the first point I want to hit is the legal process of how to come into the United States legally. So there's actually only four ways you can come into the United States legally. The first way would be through family sponsorship. The second way would be uh, through a temporary work visa. Uh, the third way you can do is a, it's called a lottery system. And the fourth way is seeking refugee asylum. So let's start off with uh, family sponsorship. So to sponsor someone to come into the United States, uh, it has to be an immediate family member. So that means it's either a spouse, a sibling, a child, or parents. That's it. That, that's the circle that you are limited to um, to sponsoring to come into the United States. You, you can't sponsor grandparents. You can't sponsor your uncle, your aunts, or your cousins. It's strictly that circle. But I don't even think that's mainly the problem. Uh, I think that the problem is that there's so many obstacles uh, to actually be um, approved for 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 a family sponsorship um, because you you are extremely vetted through the whole process. Uh, you are asked to provide document after document after document, and it's such a long process. And not even to mention the fact uh, that the government is still processing applications from 1999. Yeah, 1999, which is over 21 years ago. And, and it's illogical to think that someone is going to wait 21 years to come into the United States when they're fleeing either political persecution, financial instability, or gang violence. It just doesn't make sense. So now let's go into the second way you can come into the United States, which would be a temporary work visa. So for a temporary work visa, the way it works is that you get an employer uh, to sponsor you to come into the United States, right? 
The problem with this is that you have to renew this temporary work visa each year. And there's always the possibility that you'll get rejected one year. Um, so imagine you're, you're staying in the United States. You've been building up friendships. You've been building up your job. Um, you just graduated from school and you're in this country for six, seven years. And then on the seventh year after building up practically your life here, you get rejected and you're expected uh, to pack up your stuff and simply leave when your life is here in the United States, right? So, so that doesn't make sense either. And that's actually how most undocumented, undocumented immigrants came into the United States. Uh, 70% of them overstayed their temporary work visa. So now let's go into the lottery system. Uh, the lottery system is just how it sounds. People um, apply to come into the United States and a computer randomly selects a few applications. After they get selected, uh, they go through a vetting process. And if they have a clean background, um, then they're approved to come into the United States. But out of the 2 million applications, only 50,000 get approved. So that's 0.025%. Um, so I think that you have a ch higher chance of actually winning the lottery in that case. Which brings us to the final way to get into the United States, and, and in my opinion, the most important one, which would be refugee asylum. Um, so I don't think people really understand the severity of the situations that people face in the Central American countries. Um, there was actually an, an article that came out by Vice News that said that there was some instances where, for example, parents were taking children to their schools and there would be gang members um, outside playing soccer with a decapitated head. And so once you see that and you see that your your child has to go through that, wouldn't the first instinct of anyone be to leave that environment and what better place to go to than the United States where we pride ourselves with the American dream, where we pride ourselves of being this melting pot of different backgrounds, different ethnicities, different cultures, because people don't just randomly wake up on one day and say, you know what, I'm going to walk 2000 miles to a foreign country where I probably don't even know the language that that doesn't happen because people are fleeing for their lives and this financial instability and violence that they're facing in their home country i mean it, by the way is caused was caused by u.s intervention in democratically held elections but that's a different topic for another day um so people come into the united states seeking asylum and they are faced with a broken legal system that actually works against them, not with them. So the process is that if you are fleeing from your home country and you want to come into the United States, you present yourself in a port of entry and you turn yourself in into a border patrol agent who then takes you into custody where you will await um, trial in an immigration courtroom and a judge will determine if you are in reasonable fear for your life. The problem is that this these immigration court hearings are actually civil trials, not criminal trials. So in criminal trials, you have 
all the rights that are listed in the Bill of Rights because the Bill of Rights is meant for when uh, the government is intruding on you. For civil trials, you don't have those rights. Um, so what happens is that these immigrants uh, lose the right to an attorney if they can't afford one. They lose the right to a speedy trial. They lose all these rights because it is considered, for some reason, it is considered a civil trial, not a criminal trial. So now you're in a foreign country with a legal system that you don't, that, that nobody understands, um, with a foreign language that you don't understand, you're lost, and now you're faced in front of a judge and you have to present your case as to why you are in reasonable fear for your life. And there's been there's been instances where two year olds are representing themselves in court that completely baffled me because a two year old can't even count to 10. And now they're expected to represent themselves in court. I mean, defend themselves as to why they should be allowed to stay in the United States. Uh, they are asked questions as like um, if deported, what country would you like to go back to? And actually, one immigration judge described the whole process as, and I quote, giving death penalty sentences in traffic court setting, unquote. So these immigration judges understand the severity and the impact that their verdict actually holds. And actually, let me play a clip for you of an actual immigration court hearing. And this is the, the, the clip in its entirety. So let's take a listen to this. I have read what the asylum officer wrote. You told the asylum officer that some gang member became infatuated with you, wanted you to be with him, wanted you to open a bank account so the criminal proceeds from the gang could be placed there, and you refused. Yes. I said no. Did you move to any other city in Honduras before coming to the United States? No. The government of the United States doesn't afford you protection for this type of reason. I affirm the asylum officer's decision. And that was it. That whole hearing lasted one minute. And as you heard, she had to have a translator there because she didn't know how to speak English. She didn't have any legal counsel because she couldn't afford one. And since it's a civil proceeding... She doesn't have the right to an attorney if she can't afford one. And so she was deported back to Honduras, where she was then assaulted at gunpoint when she got back. And that's the problem that we face, that we are so desensitized and we are so caught up in our little bubble that we don't realize that people are dying as a result of this immigration system. And there was actually another case where this cop from Mexico was fleeing from, from his country due to corrupt cops and drug cartels. And so he went through the whole legal process. He had to wait five years for his case to see the light of day, which by then all the evidence went stale. He had no witnesses to call up um, in his favor. And so he was eventually deported. Uh, he went back to Mexico and he was gunned down six months later and it's sad to see that people will still somehow find a way to justify this uh, in the name of national security or because they somehow think that undocumented immigrants 
are a burden for the economy. And that's actually the final point I wanted to hit on. How crucial undocumented immigrants are for our country. Because if you can't look at it through a moral perspective, maybe an economical perspective will actually be a little bit more convincing to you. So in 2014, the IRS estimated that undocumented immigrants paid around $11.7 billion in taxes, which keeps programs like Social Security and Medicare running. Uh, Because what happens is once undocumented immigrants get into the United States, they need to work. And so to work, you need a social security number. Since they're not in the country legally, they have to get a fake social security number by either another person or a deceased person. And so they still have to pay taxes at the end of the year. They just can't get any benefits from it with very, very few exceptions. Furthermore, the Department of Agriculture actually estimates that half of the nation's farm workers are actually undocumented and 15% of workers that work in construction sites are also undocumented, which makes them 5% of the nation's entire workforce, which makes undocumented immigrants extremely consequential to our economy. And and most people that I've talked to that are against immigration have cited very specific instances in which undocumented immigrants commit crime, which, by the way, undocumented immigrants are less likely to commit a crime compared to a United States born citizen. Um, Or they cite instances in which an undocumented immigrant um, received benefits or, quote unquote, took advantage of the system. But they always fail to see the bigger picture and they fail to see that lives are literally at stake. Um, And at what point are we going to say enough is enough? At what point are we going to put our moral borders down and actually receive people to come into this country? Because weren't we all immigrants at a certain point? So that wraps up my episode for today. Hopefully you learned something today um, and, and I hope to see you very, very soon. If you have any comments or concerns, feel free to let me know. If you want to see where I cited my sources, I have a list written down of all my sources and I'd be more than happy to give that to you. So thank you for joining me and I hope to see you next week. Thank you.